Now, last week, World Rugby announced the rules of the game would be rewritten to lower the legal tackle height in elite matches globally. It's a move aimed at reducing player injuries, especially head injuries. And it coincides with new research produced by the University of Limerick, which showed that concussion or brain injury is the most common injury sustained by men playing in the All-Ireland League and by schoolboys playing in Senior Cup rugby. For more on that research now, we're joined by Dr Tom Commons, who lectures in sports science at the University of Limerick and is also a former Irish Olympic athlete. And he's in our Limerick studio. Dr. Commons, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Justin. Thanks for having me. Um, You and your colleagues analysed hundreds of rugby matches to gather this data. Can can you tell us, first of all, how you managed to, to collect all of this information? Yeah, no problem. Um, so this project is in existence since 2016, Justin, and it um, arose out of a proactive uh, approach by the IRFU to um, conduct research in this area. It's led by myself and a colleague of mine, Professor Ian Kenny. And re- essentially within each club or school in the country, we have injury recorders and we use an online web-based system where the injury corridors log the injuries every week and we validate that and we audit it to ensure the integrity of the data. And the data you gathered, it shows that concussion was the most common injury in the men's game among uh, schoolboys and um, men playing in the, in the AIL. Tell us how, how common is concussion? Well, I suppose, you know, our, our, our injury surveillance is looking at a holistic profile of what the injuries are. And it's not just necessarily the, the main injury. We also look at the severity of these and how burdensome those injuries are over time. So while concussion might be the number one, it, it's also followed closely by injuries around the ankle and the, the hamstring and the knee. And when we look at the injuries that carry the greatest burden, uh, for men, it's knee sprains. And actually for schoolboys, it's shoulders. Um, and when you say the greatest burden, that, that means they're missing more game time, they're out for longer. Exactly. So it's looking at the incidence of injury in relation to the severity. Mm. So how often is it occurring and how long are they out for? But uh, on, on the subject of concussion then, which I suppose has been uh, in the news lately because there are players uh, uh, who who find themselves that perhaps suffering later on in life, ha- having sustained concussions throughout their career. How, how common is it for rugby players to, to sustain concussion? So our work, we will look at the percentage of injuries that are concussion. And we also get a thing known as uh, incidence rate. And when we compare the incidence rates of the concussions in the amateur and the schoolboy game in Ireland, they are similar to or less than similar incidents uh, for similar cohorts internationally, like in the UK or South Africa. And they are less than the professional game. So while they may be coming out as number one, the rate is not of a level which is greater than international counterparts and it's definitely less than what you're seeing in the pro game as well. What is the rate? So the rate at the moment uh, for the men is 7.6. They call it uh, uh, incidences per 1,000 player hours. Mm. For females, it's 3.6. And in the schoolboys, it's 7.5. And when you look at the pro game, that'd be around the 20 level. Okay. And then um, concussion less common in the women's game? Concussion it has been less common in the women's game. It's dropped from our last report from 5.6 to 3.6. Mm. And then, then you mentioned th- those other injuries which, which are having a severe impact on players in terms of how long they're, they're out for. So uh, what are they? 
So when we look at the schools in particular, what the schools showed was that there was a difference by playing position. The forwards and the backs had different types of injuries. The forwards really, it was shoulder sprains, while for the backs, it was shoulder dislocations. Um, and within the men's and women's, it's generally over the last number of seasons been knee sprains. You're looking at ACL type injuries. And it is ball carriers. It's, it's the player with the ball that's most likely to be injured. Well, the most the injury event that carries the greatest, I suppose, uh, incidence of injury is the tackle. Um, and it's kind of split half and half between the ball carrier and the tackler with regard to the incidence uh, around the tackle itself. The injuries then uh, as well, they, they're most likely to occur later in, in matches. Um, why is that? So we, we've had a spike generally in the third quarter and it could be a number of reasons. One could be fatigue. Um, and as somebody fatigues, maybe the tackle t- technique diminishes. And also it could be a lack of a warm-up within the uh, halftime period. Um, so that 15-minute period may cool down a little bit and come back into intense play. So the number of, I suppose, theories of why this might be the case. Are you able to compare levels of injury in, in rugby to other sports? It can be difficult because um, you need everyone following the same guidance on what an injury is. So the World Rugby had a consensus statement a number of years ago, which we follow, which gave us clear uh, definitions and direction of what constitutes a time loss injury. Unless every sport is following the same consensus statement, it's difficult to compare from one to the other. Mm. Now, uh, arising out of your your research, um, you've been able then to develop uh, a new training regime which will help players to, to um, I suppose, bulletproof themselves against injuries. Yeah, exactly. So once we have data, the model we follow is we review the data and act upon it. And that's happened in the last um, year or two. So one of our PhD scholars, Patrick Dolan, has developed with the in consultation with clubs, coaches, players and the IRFU, a programme called Engage. And the purpose of Engage is to target the key areas that we've seen. So particularly around the neck, head, ankle, hamstring and knee and trying to bulletproof, I suppose, essentially build up the robustness. That was rolled out last year by the IRFU and Patrick completed a 12-month study last year and we're now analysing those findings. Right, and and the initial indications from those, are, are, are you seeing a reduction in injuries to those areas? So the initial study we, we conducted was a feasibility study, which really looks at is it a feasible or is it a user-friendly uh, um, type of protocol? And if it's not feasible or user-friendly, coaches aren't going to apply it under mm. poor compliance. So it's very positive around that areas and some indications that it, it is effective at targeting these key injury areas. Mm. But again, until we publish that research, we you know, we haven't got firm guidance from it yet. What, what about rule changes then? Because we've seen, as I mentioned, World Rugby coming out this week announcing that they're, they're going to lower the, the tackle height for elite matches right across the globe. Um, based on your research and the fact that, that most injuries are to the head, knees and shoulders in, in men's matches, uh, will that rule change be effective in reducing the, the risk to players? The whole idea with our rule change is to keep the ball carrier's head away from the tackler's head and get some space between them. Um, can they be effective? It actually depends what else goes around with it and what education goes around with it. So what other research on this has shown in the past is that the ball carrier dipped coming into that contact to make it difficult for the tackler to make a legal tackle, essentially. Mm. And then you're back to the same situation of their heads being close to each other. 
So it, within within France, they um, introduced as well that they, you couldn't dip. And the RFU this week proposed that a penalty would apply if somebody dips beforehand. So there is potential there, but it actually involves a number of different aspects um, to make sure that can be effective. And it will take time then, won't it, to, to analyse whether that rule change is actually working? Yeah, so look, we're well positioned with our study. We have, going since 2016, if a law change happens, we can have post-law data compared to pre-data to see um, has there been any change in injury rates or injury profiles as a result of any potential law change. All right, Dr. Tom Commons from the University of Limerick, thank you very much indeed for talking to us today.